often the question is asked, are the things that are happening in the earth right now spiritually significant and do they contribute to the signs that are spoken of in God's word for end times? Hi, I'm Dr. Michelle Corral, and I'm here today to give you a word from the Lord because you are so precious to God. But first, before we begin today's teaching, I want to welcome you to our uh, teaching today. And also for those of you that are joining us for the first time, I want to invite you to go to our website at mydayofdestiny.com. There you can see and hear all of our podcasts. You can select any podcast you choose and listen to it and add to your spiritual curriculum and add to your library and experience the wealth of wisdom that God wants to give you for your ministry, for your destiny, for your place, for your position. But before we also get started today, I want to pray for you. So let's begin with a prayer right now. Heavenly Father, I pray for this entire audience today. I pray, Father God, that the anointing of the Spirit of God will be so heavy today that, Lord God, that you would break bondages, Lord, that you would prepare us for the end times that we're living in right now. I pray, Father God, that there would not be one person in that is viewing or listening to this podcast. Father God, in the mighty name of Jesus, we release the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit. And I just release right now mantles of wisdom and revelation for all of your children to go forward into their highest dimension of destiny. In Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, Amen. We will not see man. We're only seeing Jesus. Now today, beloved saints, we are opening our Bibles to the book of Daniel. Did you know, dear saints of God, that we are quickly approaching what is called 21 days of messianic miracles that is on the biblical Hebrew calendar? These days are absolutely spiritually significant. Why? Because the biblical calendar is not like the secular calendar. The biblical calendar is a calendar that God himself commanded in his word. In the book of Genesis, we see, and also the commandment, which was the very first commandment that God gave to the nation of Israel, speak to the children of Israel, Exodus 12, 1, and say to them, this shall be the beginning of months to you. It is the first month of the year to you. What does that mean? Does that mean it's just dead history with no personal, powerful, prophetic relevance at all? Because we also see the biblical feasts hidden in the book of Genesis. We see that the agenda of Moses when he wrote the book of Genesis was not just to include in the creation story all of the uh, scientific facts of creation, although we must understand that everything that Moses wrote in the word definitely can be confirmed uh, by science. But what we need to see is that the prophetic agenda of the creation story also connects us to the events in the world and what God's plan of eternal salvation is all about. 
Because when we see the creation story, we see God's sign of salvation hidden in creation. I want to say that again. God's sign of salvation hidden in creation, such as on the third day, the very first thing that was created by God was the tree. Notice the tree, a prophetic parallel of the cross taken from Galatians chapter 3, verse 13. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us as it is written. Cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. We also see the tree as a spiritual similitude of the cross. Why? Because in Hebrew, the word tree, the word wood, and the word of what uh, the um, the cross that Jesus hung on focuses on the tree aspect of it or the wood aspect of it in the Hebrew language. This is why throughout the book of Acts, when Paul um, or the author of, uh, of Acts, who is Luke, refers to the cross, oftentimes he uses also with the cross the spiritual similitude of the tree. So we see in the creation story, the tree and the cross before time was created. Time was not created till the fourth day of creation. But for those who have difficulty wondering, um, what about these biblical feasts? Are these just Hebrew celebrations? And are we just trying to uh, somehow commemorate Hebrew culture and uh, somehow experience the messianic joy of these feasts? Or is there something much more detailed that the word of God had in mind? Something about the spiritual significance of time, something about the power of God's providence, that not all time is the same. We see this theme throughout the book of Genesis, throughout the Bible, not all time is the same. If you remember, even in the gospel, according to John, the Bible tells us in John's gospel, in the first miracle, Jesus performed. The Bible tells us in John chapter two, his time had not yet come. The Bible also shows us in John chapter eight verse, or excuse me, John chapter seven, verses six and verse eight, his hour had not yet come. And in John chapter eight, verse 20, the last line says, his hour had not yet come. So we must understand that timing is everything to God. And if you notice in John chapter 12, verse 23, Jesus prayed the prayer, Father, the hour has come. So we must understand the timing and the hour is not something that happens at random. It is something we need to discern. It is something that we need to heed to. We must not consider all time the same because God's word teaches us very clearly that six days a man shall work. The seventh day was the day God rested. Not that we come under the law, but in the sense of principle, we must understand that the very division of time shows us the principle or the prophetic principle that there is a secular segment of time that we see in the six days and a supernatural segment of time in the seventh day. And we see this concept revealed to us 
in the biblical feasts. It is very important for us to see this because the 21 days of messianic miracles are are times that God already designated for destiny. These are times that every believer should claim And every believer should walk in the power of the promises of God, expecting divine reversals and changes. This is what the Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 1, verse 14, concerning the time segments. The Bible says in the 14th verse, and God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons, for days and for years. Let's look at this just for a moment. And I'm only sharing this with you, beloved, to validate and substantiate that not all time is the same to God, that there are certain seasons that God miraculously moves in the earth. And they we must understand that dates in the Bible are not the dates on our secular calendar. So if you see something that occurs in the sixth month, it's not June. You must understand that it's something that occurs in the sixth month. It's the month of Elul in the Bible. It's the sixth month on the biblical calendar. That means that we need to understand certain promises, certain prophecies that were spoken at certain times in the word of God that are extremely important and spiritually significant for us. That means through Christ, not by any works we have done, but through Christ, we've all been made partakers of the promises that one of the blood-bought miracles that Jesus Christ purchased for us on the cross was to participate in all of the promises that God gave to Israel. And I will prove that to you from God's word. So this is why I am so, um, I am uh, spending so much time on biblical producing the evidence of not all time being the same so that when I give you these promises today, that you fully go in and possess them, that there's not one promise that God has ordained for you that you will miss because many of you are in need of a miracle. Many of you are saying, God, how long? Some of you have just heard this podcast today and you've said, God, I'm at the end of my rope. Or some of you have said, God, I need a word. I need to know. And God has a word for you today, fresh from the Bible that he wants you to see. So let's look. Looking at verse 14, the Bible says, the lights in the heaven, two lights, lights in the heaven and in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night. Now watch this, for signs and for seasons, for days and for years. Let's go over this. I want you to see it in the Hebrew language. For signs and for seasons, for Aleph Bob Tov, as it is spelled in signs, and for seasons. What is this word for seasons? First of all, beloved saints, I want you to understand the word seasons is not the word for weather conditions. The word seasons is the word moed or moedim for seasons, plural. This is the very same word as feasts. The same word as for the word feast, biblical feast, not banquet, mishteh, no, not banquet, but feast in the sense of an appointed time. 
feast in the sense of a designated date that God already ordained for certain acts of divine providence to take place in your life according to his foreknowledge, according to his goodness, that which he already prepared before the foundation of the world. Very important for us to look at. For signs and for seasons, Moedim, for days and for years. Now, just in the sense of being meticulous with the text, it is very important when we are reading the Bible that we see what is mentioned first, because the Bible is so articulate that what is mentioned first and what is mentioned second, what is mentioned first is a priority. What is mentioned second follows in the order of importance. Notice the Bible says that the Bible does not say that he created the sun and the moon for days and for years first. It says first, he put these lights in the heavens for signs and for seasons, for days and for years. Notice days and years come second. Why? Because the calculation of the calendar and keeping time is not the highest priority of why God created the sun and the moon. The highest priority and purpose of the sun and the moon is to be the instrument of God to proclaim the seasons of the Lord, the times of God, the hours when God will do marvelous acts in the earth. All right, beloved saints. So we see this. Now, I want to take you quickly to Ephesians so that you will quickly stand on God's word and claim what God is speaking for you in this season. Let us go. Um, first of all, beloved saints, we are going to God's word and we are going to see from Ephesians chapter two. And um, first, I want to share one more scripture with you from Psalm 104, verse 19, as um, a little more supporting evidence so that you can understand what God appointed the sun and the moon to do. Notice what the Bible says in Psalm 104, looking at verse 19, it says, he appointed the moon for seasons. I'm going to read that again. Psalm 104, verse 19, he appointed the moon for seasons, not weather conditions, no seasons. This word seasons, again, is the same word that we see in Genesis chapter 1, verse 14. It is the word Moedim. So he appointed the moon. He called the moon. And when he made the moon, the moon became the servant of God at God's create as God as the creator so that in the process of time it would be able to proclaim the moedim of the almighty and we see because all God's creation is subject to his word now we also want to see here beloved saints for the sake of those of you that are wondering well that's great for all these wonderful promises for Israel but I'm a Gentile and do I really have access to the promises that God gave to the nation of Israel and the answer is number one the church in no way shape or form takes the place of Israel Israel is God's firstborn but because of Christ you have access notice what the 
the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope without God in the world. What does this mean? The Bible says strangers from the covenants of promise. What does that mean? That means the word strangers, the word aliens, the word foreigner. These all are the very same word in the Hebrew language. Remember the New Testament written in Greek is really translated into Greek, but we must understand the concept behind it is Hebrew. So here we are seeing in Hebrew concept, foreigner, alien, and stranger, all are reduced to the same word, the word for nations and the word for stranger, the word for Gentile, all the same word, the same word for Gentile, goy, the same, the word for Gentile nations, goyim, the, the word for stranger, ager, taken from these very Hebrew concepts. So in Hebrew, all of these are the same, meaning a non-Jew. So here we need to see that at that time, the Bible says, you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant of promise, having no hope without God in the world. But now in Christ, your spiritual status has changed. But now in Christ, you who were afar off are made nigh through the blood of Christ. What does this mean? This means that you now have access to the promises that God gave to his children all of them, every single biblical promise in God's word, even the promises that God gave to the seed of Abraham belong to the church also. That means together with Israel, we are joint heirs with Christ. This means beloved saints, please understand. This is why the Bible says in Ephesians 2, looking at the word of God in verse 19. Now, therefore, you are no more strangers and foreigners, meaning goy. You are not a, you are not a Gentile. You are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints in the household of God. Notice what the Bible says in, in Ephesians 3 verse 6, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise by Christ through the gospel. Wow. Meaning Jesus, when he died on the cross, not only bought my salvation, not only bought my, my experience with the baptism in the Holy Spirit, not only bought my healing, not only bought myself, the salvation for my family, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved and your family and your whole house. That means you need to claim it and start witnessing to your family. But I also want you to know, beloved saints, all of the promises in God's word from Genesis all the way to Revelation have been purchased by the blood of Christ. Even the specific promises of that God gave to Abraham 
and to his seed. Notice what the Bible says here in Galatians chapter four, verse 20, excuse me, Galatians chapter three, verse 29. The Bible says, and if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Now, beloved saints, I use that as a lengthy introduction. I don't mean to give you so many scriptures, but the reason I use the super, uh, a, a tad of superfluity in the sense of giving you these scriptures today is because what I'm about to share with you is so powerful. What I'm about to share with you are promises for the rebuilding of your ruins. What I'm about to share with you is about God giving you your life back. And you need to understand that the promises that God gave to Jerusalem, that he gave to Jerusalem during a time that would be called the time of the Messiah, that the Messiah um, during these 21 days that were known formerly as days of mourning, days of weeping. And of course, that it begins with the fast of the fourth month, which is the 17th day of the month of Tammuz, with the fast of the fifth month, which is what we call in Hebrew Tisha B'Av, which is the most tragic day in Israel's history. We need to see the promises that God has given to us that during the time of the Messiah, the days of mourning shall be turned to days of miracles. They shall be turned from weeping to supernatural reaping of the promises of God. Let's go first of all. And to some of us, this is very foreign because we have not heard, nor to some of us, it does not really matter to us what is going on or what certain parts of the Bible have to say uh, concerning certain scriptures concerning Jerusalem. But I want you to understand, beloved, that every word in the Bible is relevant. There is nothing in the Bible that is not personal, powerful, prophetic, and relevant. All of the word of God is inspired and it is absolute heresy to say that the things in the Old Testament are not relevant because we need to understand that the entire Bible is inspired of God. When Paul wrote 2 Timothy 3.16, the canon of the New Testament scriptures were not yet put together. So Paul particularly was not only referring to the New Testament scriptures, but also to the Hebrew scriptures that he quotes continuously to substantiate his points and to substantiate his principles and to give evidence throughout the word of God on why he is saying what he's saying. So we must understand 2 Timothy 3.16 says, all scripture is inspired of God and it is profitable for doctrine, reproof, and correction in righteousness that the man of God be thoroughly furnished. You see what I'm about to do today to share with you these incredible scriptures that God has given in his word are so that you might be thoroughly equipped, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So that means we don't pick and choose out of the Bible what we want. And certainly there are some things when we read it in a historical sense, and we do not understand that the Bible is fully inspired of God. When we read some of these texts, we can take it as if we're reading a textbook, but the Bible is not written so we can read history or to prove that something happened. It is not a historical book, although there is history in the Bible. The purpose of the Bible, first of all, is to reveal the plan of salvation through Jesus Christ. But secondly, we also need to see that every single uh, book in the Bible 
is the inspired word of God and that the authors of scripture uh, recorded that which is going to be necessary for every generation. So we must understand that even if it seems boring, irrelevant, that this is past, this is the Old Testament, we really don't pay attention to the Old Testament, only to the New Testament. No, we need the entire word of God because why the Old Testament points to the New Testament and helps us understand what was done in Christ so that we are not denied our destiny and what Christ has promised to us. All right, with that being established, let's go to Revelation chapter 21, looking, beloved saints, at verse 2. The Bible says, now, the Bible says, I, John, verse 2, saw the new Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Continuing in the context down to verse 9, focusing from verses 9 to 11, the Bible says, and there came uh, unto me one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials of the seven last plagues and talked with me saying, come hither and I will show thee the bride, the lamb's wife. Verse 10, and he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God and her light was like unto the stone of most precious, even a jasper and as clear as crystal. So here we see the bride and the new Jerusalem the same. And the last time I looked in the word of God, the bride is the body of Christ. And this is what Paul says in Ephesians chapter five. So we need to understand that the scripture is giving the identity of the church as the same identity as Jerusalem, the new Jerusalem. Let us look and let us see this further with further evidence as uh, as given to us in the book of Galatians by Paul. Noticing that Paul, as he is church teaching, the church at uh, Galatia, very important for us to understand because remember, Paul is teaching us that we do not receive salvation through the quote unquote law, but that we receive salvation uh, through Christ and also that the promises that are given to the church are possessed not by the works of the law, but possessed by faith through Christ as the patriarchs. Please understand the patriarchs uh, uh, fulfilled the entire Torah, but yet the Torah was not yet written. We must understand there is not one commandment in the Torah that Abraham ever broke, even though the Torah was not yet written because he fulfilled it by faith and he also fulfilled it through walking in love, a type and a shadow of what Paul tells us in Romans chapter 8 verses, excuse me, Romans chapter 13 verses 8 through 10 that tell us that love is the fulfillment of the Torah. Looking at the word of God in Galatians, we are seeing in Galatians chapter 4, verse 26, the Bible says, but Jerusalem, which is above, is free 
which is the mother of us all. Let me read it again. But Jerusalem, which is above, is free, which is the mother of us all. For it is written, Rejoice thou barren that did not bear, and break forth, and cry thou that travailest not. For the desolate has more children than her that has a husband. Now, what is this? We must understand that one of the most powerful prophetic allegorical uh, spiritual similitudes in the word of God is Jerusalem as a mother and the inhabitants of Jerusalem as her children. I want you to understand the importance of the city of Jerusalem. This is not a joke. I want you to hear. I want you to see that the prophet Isaiah was a prophet to Zion. His entire ministry was focused on Jerusalem, on consolation, giving the prophetic word, the prophetic consolation long before the desolation of that city that took place in 587 BC by the Babylonians. Long before, 175 years before the city was destroyed, Isaiah was prophesying restoration before the desolation to the city of Jerusalem. From Isaiah chapter 40, all the way to chapter 66, you have 26 chapters basically dedicated to the promises of rebuilding the ruins of Zion and comforting Zion. We also see that the prophet Jeremiah was called by God before he was ever even born to be a prophet to Zion. To be a prophet to Zion before Zion was destroyed and invaded by the Babylonians. We also see that Jeremiah's uh, Megillah, which is the scroll attached to the book of Jeremiah, which is Lamentations, or as we say in Hebrew, Megillah Ika, which is the scroll of Lamentations or translated from Lamentations into Hebrew, how? Eka. We also see that the prophet Ezekiel was a prophet to Zion. He was a prophet in exile who in the spirit was taken in the spirit on various occasions throughout the book of Ezekiel to prophesy the spiritual similitudes of what was happening in Zion at the time of the captivity to also prophesy a rebuilding of the temple after the rebuilding, after the destruction of Zion. He prophesies reconstruction after the destruction not only of the second temple, but the future temple that will be in the time of the messianic rule. Now, we also see that not only was Isaiah a prophet to Zion, not only was Jeremiah a prophet to Zion, not only was Ezekiel a prophet to Zion, we also see Daniel as the intercessor for Zion during the time of the captivity. So we see that the first six chapters of the book of Daniel are a prophetic parallel of what is going to happen in the end time church. And we see that 
in Daniel chapter 6, Daniel's ministry of intercession for Zion, for the desolations of Jerusalem, is so powerful that he is put in a lion's den to stay faithful to his ministry of interceding for Zion. And God shuts the mouth of a lion so he can continue his ministry as an intercessor for Zion. And notice the reward that comes to to Daniel after he comes up out of the lion's den, the lion's mouth has been shut. But now after from, from chapters, Daniel chapters seven through 12, Daniel is now going to have a series of visions all about Zion, all about the invasions of Zion, all about the, the, um, the Maccabean revolt that will take place hundreds of years after Daniel. Then later the Roman invasion in Daniel chapter 10. And then we will see the time of the Antichrist from Daniel chapters 11 and 12. It is so important, beloved saints, that we see the importance of Zion and Jerusalem. This is not something that we just need to overlook. This is something that is absolutely critical. It is a critical component in the Bible. We must understand the prophet Isaiah, the prophet Jeremiah, the prophet Ezekiel, the prophet Daniel. And we also see beloved saints that the entire Treazar, which are also known as the minor prophets, but there's nothing minor about them. We must understand that the Treazar or the 12 quote unquote minor prophets only said minor because their prophecies are smaller. We must understand that these prophets All of them were prophets to Zion, except Amos, who was a prophet to the northern kingdom of Israel, and Hosea, who was also a prophet to the northern kingdom of Israel. Therefore, we must understand that these scriptures I'm about to share with you take up a major part of the Bible, and that we must understand that you, as the new Jerusalem, also are participants in these promises that God has given to Zion. God wants you to know that you are going to be a recipient during these 21 days of messianic miracles. So let us look at Zechariah's prophecy very, very quickly so that you will understand what God has ordained for you coming up starting June 26, all the way to July 14th. Looking at the word of the living God, I want to share these promises with you. I want you to claim them. I want you to claim them for your children. Claim them over your business. Claim them over uh, over everything and know that the time has come, that the set time has come for God to bless you exceedingly and abundantly in Christ. Notice these words. The Bible says, <clears throat> verse 18, and the word of the Lord, Zechariah chapter 8, verse 19 and 18. The Bible says, the word of the Lord came of hosts, came to me saying, thus saith the Lord, the fast of the fourth month and the fast of the fifth, the fast of the seventh and the fast of the tenth shall be to the house of Judah, joy and gladness and cheerful feast. Therefore, love, truth and peace. What is this all about? First of all, beloved, beloved saints, let me share with you what these four fasts are. Remember, Zechariah was also a prophet to Zion, but he was not a prophet to Zion in the context the same way Isaiah was. Isaiah was a prophet of consolation before the desolation. However, Zechariah and Haggai both are prophets in the return, in the time of Shabbat Zion. What does that mean? 
in the time that after the Babylonian captivity was ended, Jeremiah said that this captivity, this exile will only last 70 years. And miraculously, God, according to providence, according to his timing, according to his word that never fails, that he fulfilled his promise to Zion that uh, this captivity only lasted 70 years. And this time without a Moses, this time without a long procession, like we see in the book of Exodus with 600,000 coming out of Egypt, this time in waves of immigration, we see that God stirred up the spirit of Cyrus and that Cyrus made a proclamation uh, of liberation that the people that are captives in, in Babylon are free. Now, I want you to know that this is the time that God has made a proclamation of liberation for your destiny, your word, your destiny, everything that you are believing God for. This is a season that God is going to release it. Now, beloved saints, I want you to see extremely important that we understand that Zechariah being a post exile prophet along with Haggai, meaning that the returnees that are going back to Zion need to uh, rebuild ruins that were decimated and destroyed by the Babylonians. The people of Zion only have in their memory ashes they only have in their memory chains. They only have in their memory the most brutal violence that came into the city to flatten Jerusalem, to torch it with fire on the ninth day of Av. And we see the ninth of Av was not only a day of destruction for the first temple, but hundreds of years later, on the very same day, the very same temple that was rebuilt under Zerubbabel, prophesied by Jesus before he went to the cross, not one stone will be left upon another. And in the year 70 AD, 37 years after the death and resurrection of our Lord, we see Zion flattened again. And we see the temple burning again. But this time the exile is not 70 years. This time the exile is 2,000 years. So we must understand from a Hebrew perspective that the ninth above and the, the 17th day of the fourth month are days of mourning. And this is why we see the fast of the fourth month, which is the 17th of Tammuz when the walls were broken. The fast of the fifth, which is Tisha B'Av, which is the day the temples burned. Then we need to also see the, the fast of the seventh. This is not Yom Kippur. This also is the second day of the seventh month when Jerusalem uh, thought that, that when it seemed that there was hope for Jerusalem, that the governor was assassinated by the name of Gedaliah. The fast of the seventh and also the fast of the tenth. What is the fast of the tenth? The fast of the tenth was when the Babylonians first came in the tenth month on the tenth day of the month. They surrounded the city and Jeremiah prophesied the Babylonians are coming. Nobody believed him. And they, they, uh, when the Babylonians actually came, they began a series of de deportations and they began to slowly empty out the temple and slowly deport all of the holy things inside the temple, bringing them to Babylon, deporting first the uh, royal family 
uh, Daniel is a member of the royal family and also all the priests, all the smiths, all of those that are living in Zion are deported to Babylon in chains to be slaves. But Jeremiah consoled them and said it'll only be for 70 years. Now, Zechariah is a prophet of the return. Now, why this is so important is because Zechariah is prophesying and in the era of the Messiah, there's no more weeping in the era of the Messiah that these promises to Jerusalem, the fast of the fourth month, the day everything was broken down, broken down no more. It's not about breakdown. It's about breakout. It's not about breakdown. It's about breakthrough. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 54, enlarge the place of your tent, expand your borders. He said to speak to these words to Zion. The Bible says you will break out Isaiah 54 verse 3, you will break out on the right and break out on the left. That means there's expansion. So that means the walls that one time, the walls that were broken and the fast of the fourth month that meant destruction, my walls, the enemies invading my city. He's taking my promises captive. He's taken all my hope captive. He's taking my children captive. He's taken my business captive. He's invaded my land. God says no because of my Messiah. Now, when this season comes, when it's the time of the fast of the fourth month, God is saying no more break, break down. God is saying break out and you should receive that promise right now because you're breaking out on the right. You're breaking out on the left. You are breaking out. Hallelujah. Because of Messiah. Now the Bible says, and the fast of the fifth, Tishabov. Oh my, the most dra- tragic, drastic day in Israel's history. But God says that's going to be a cheerful feast. So this means reversal, divine reversal. This means that what the enemy has stolen has to be returned. And this is why Jeremiah says, after 70 years be accomplished of desolations in Jerusalem, I will come and visit you and perform my good word toward you, causing you to return turn to this place. I want you to know if you feel driven out of your destiny, if you feel like the word God has given you is held hostage in exile, God wants you to know that this is a season that he is returning every promise to you, beloved saints. He's going to rebuild your ruins and you are a participant of these incredible promises that God has given Israel. Now, as we close today, I want to share with you from Isaiah 54, one of the multiple promises beginning in Isaiah chapter 40. First, let's just go real quick to Isaiah 40, and then we will go to Isaiah 54, and we will pick it up after that next time with greater promises, because all of these are promises. There's so many promises. You're going to have to write them down, stand on them, claim them, believe God for them during the 21 days of Messianic Miracles. Uh, The Bible says, comfort ye, comfort ye my people, saith God. Speak comfortably to Jerusalem, cry unto her, that her warfare is accomplished. Say unto her that her iniquity is pardoned and that she has received from the hand of the Lord double for her sins. This is a time double for your shame. This is the time that your warfare is accomplished. Notice what God is saying in Isaiah 54, looking at the word of the living God. 
God is saying, seeing O barren that did not see, that did not bear the areas of your life that were so barren, the areas of your life that you never saw promise fulfilled, the areas of your life that you could not bear out, you, your vision wasn't born. You say, God, I don't have any strength to bear this vision. God, it seems like there's no spiritual Pitocin to birth out this baby. But God wants you to know right now, dear saints of God, that what you've been carrying is going to be born and that you are going to birth the vision out. The Bible says, watch this, break forth into singing, you that did not travail with child, for more are the children of the desolate than the married wife. What does it mean, more are the children of the desolate? The desolate is Zion. Zion lost her children. Zion was bereaved of her children. Zion was emptied out. I want you to know the shame that went into the land of, of, of Zion. This is why one of the promises during these 21 days of messianic miracles is that God is going to restore your name. He is going to heal your shame and restore your name. This is what God promised to the, through the prophet Zephaniah. Zephaniah said, sing, O daughter of Zion, and shout, rejoice, and be glad. Hallelujah. For the your enemy is cast out. And the Bible says in verse 19, I will gather her that was driven out. I will bring them back into the land that they were driven out of. And I will get them fame and praise everywhere in the land where they were put to shame. So that means during these 21 days of messianic miracles, we can claim the promises that God gave to Zion because we are spiritual Zion. This means we cannot take the place of ancient Jerusalem. These are promises that are given to Jerusalem, but because of Christ, we can claim these 21 days of messianic miracles, days that were formerly days of mourning and weeping have now become days of rejoicing. And we will be back with you soon, beloved saints, to share with you the anointing of these 21 days of messianic miracles. Let us pray right now. Heavenly Father, we give you praise and we give you thanks for all of these promises. Lord God, we give you thanks that Zion, a type of mother that was emptied out and bereaved of her children. God, I want to give you praise that even as Zion was emptied out, you promised that Zion's streets would be filled with singing and dancing, that the old man and the young woman and the young child would be brought back and that Zion would no more be, be bereaved of her children. God, I want to give you praise right now that every person who feels like their destiny has been decimated, you feel empty, you feel lost. You say, God, what happened to me? How did this happen overnight? I'm in shock. I feel like I lost everything. And how can I possibly get it back? Your expression is how, just like lamentations, that means Ika, how? How could this have happened? How could my marriage have broken up? How could my business have collapsed? How, God, could I have lost so much in an investment? God wants you to know that there are, there is hope in your end. God wants you to know there is tikvah. 
This is the season of great tikvah. This is a season of hope. God wants you to know you are going to receive it back and receive double for your shame. God wants you to know because of Messiah, because of Yeshua HaMashiach, that you are going to repossess the promises of God and take back the territory. The ruins of Zion will be rebuilt and more are going to be the fruit in your life. You are going to have more fruit than what you had before. Father, we give you praise because you are the God of restoration after devastation. You are the God of divine turnaround. I want to praise you right now that you are going to restore every person's name, that you are going to remove their shame and restore their name. Every person who's been lied about on all of those that are listening, that are claiming these promises, we love our enemies, forgive them, give God time to move in your life. Obey his word. Don't defend yourself. Let God do it and watch and see what God is going to do. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the anointing. We thank you for the breakthrough. We thank you, Father God, for the divine turnaround in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, amen and amen. I want you at this time, be sure that we cause all of you to go to our website tonight to share uh, your offering with us. Uh, Those of you that uh, want to sow into worldwide evangelism and give to the poorest of the poor. And I want you to know you can be part of our Hesed program during these 21 days of Messianic miracles. You can go to our website at breathofthespirit.org or to the podcast website at mydayofdestiny.com and you can sow your seed today to help children in Uganda, help children in India, Pakistan, also to be part of our work with poor pastors in India, feeding programs for children in the Philippines, also to help our abandoned elderly projects and many other projects such as agricultural help to the um, villagers in Masaka, Uganda, and also to orphans in Kampala, Uganda, and to the Dr. Michelle Sewing School in Pakistan for those beloved Christians who are marginalized and greatly persecuted for their faith. And also, I want to invite you to sow your seed for pastors that are persecuted in the land of Egypt because we are going to have our annual pastors conference coming up this September. And uh, the pastors conference dates have already been set. And I want you to join us, if you can, to go to the land of Egypt for the fire conference. And we will be sponsoring pastors that have been greatly persecuted from all over Egypt to come to our annual pastors conference where we pay their way, we pay their food, we pay their lodging, we take care of them through Hesed. So be a partner with us and you can do that by going to our website at breathofthespirit.org. That's breathofthespirit.org or mydayofdestiny.com. Or you can also uh, text to give through Hesed. That is Hesed, C-H-E-S-E-D, and text it to 77977. That's Hesed, C-H-E-S-E-D, to 77977. 
877. See you soon and love you with all of our heart.